then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. When Lou asked me to do part of the presentation for prison ministry week, weekend or um, day, um, I was going to share about our experiences at the Women's Central Jail here in Orange County. And I had no idea, but I had hoped that I might find something during our mission trip to bring back to you uh, that would fit in. Lo and behold, when I looked at our schedule of events after we got there, I saw that there was going to be a baptism at the jail. And I thought, oh, I've got to get to that. Boy, I was the first one to put up my hand, and I got selected, as Pastor Dan often does, is if you offer you want to do something, he gives you the piece of paper and says, get them signed up. So I did that. But anyway, it included a trip to the Santa Cruz Provincial Jail. And we were invited to attend the baptism. There were over 70 prisoners or inmates who had been studying with one of the local churches that has a prison ministry there. The video that you've just seen shows the jail surroundings which are much different than our jails here in the United States. And I was struck by this environment and the physical liberties which the men were allowed. And the unusual thing was I didn't see any guards. I didn't see any guns. I didn't see any cells. The only thing that distinguished men one from another is, and I'm guessing this, is that they had certain colored t-shirts on. They were allowed to walk around. We were allowed to sit with them, talk to them, shake their hand. And uh, when he spoke, when Pastor Smith spoke to the men, uh, this was after two inmates had shared their own testimonies and led the men in songs. And it, it was really very stirring. Um, what I wanted you to hear in that video from Pastor Dan was he made it very clear to the men that though they had brown skin and some of us had white skin, we we're all equal in God. And that though they, they were not free to leave the prison that day, and we were, that their sins were forgiven and that we would meet in heaven. And that really impressed me. And then we went to um, the baptismal site as we did that, I observed that they were growing a lot of their own food. They had areas where they had vegetables. They were raising chickens and turkeys. They had a pig. Um, they even had a pet monkey in one of the, um, they just have like thatched huts, you know, covering and everything is open. And this monkey is running around up there. That's their pet. Okay, the baptisms were done two at a time, and what I observed was that many of them had a friend that was being baptized with them. Uh, our Filipino pastors officiating allowed our team pastors to assist with the baptisms, and um, what I found was that after they came up out of the water, they were given a green t-shirt that... Um, was given to us to take by quiet hour and had some special uh, lettering on it or message on it for them. 
the first two to go in was an older man and a friend helping him. And after the baptism, I had an opportunity to go up and meet him because he was the oldest one in the jail. And he was blind. And he was so excited to be baptized. You could see that from the video when they got done. They were clapping their hands. These are the green t-shirts. And then a prayer of dedication for these, non, uh, for these new converts followed the completion of the baptisms. And what I saw, and I told them this, I said, you guys are so much more handsome since you got baptized. Because they were just like glowing. It was really, you could really see a difference in their countenance. Okay. Now let's fast forward to prison ministry here in the Orange County Women's Central Jail. It's quite a different environment and atmosphere. Many of these women are in jail for drugs, alcohol, prostitution, and other minor um, crimes. These women often cry when we talk to them about the impact of them being in jail that it has on their families, especially their children. And um, some of them are in for a short time, some for a long time, like what Lou said. What we see is a sincerity about wanting to change their lives, but really lacking the tools, going back into their old environment from which they came, and making it almost impossible for them to escape the frequent returning to jail. So many of them have been in there eight, 10 times. Most of them are younger than 40 years, and this really struck me too, is that most of them are young women. What we provide these women is an opportunity to share their testimonies, to share what's on their minds, on their hearts, and you see the camaraderie between the women. There was one young woman who shared that she was a prostitute. And another young woman at the opposite end of the table later shared also that she was tired of this. And she leans forward and starts talking to her one-on-one -on -one that, yeah, you know, I'm tired of being a hoe, and we need to stop this. And so they're offering each other support and guidance. It's, it's really incredible. We've had a full house every Sabbath we've been there. We have room for 27 women, and uh, every seat has been filled. And like Lou said, many of them take Bibles with them when they leave. The song service gets them thinking about Christ, and probably 35 to 40 minutes is just in testimonies. That's what we provide for them. And then we have a short message. You know, we've been told that we're not supposed to shake hands with these women. We're not to provide them any kind of, like, a pencil or a pen. We're not to give them paper. Anything that might be able to be converted into a weapon we have to be very, very careful. And I have to tell you that's extremely difficult because you see these women crying, you see their pain, you also see their joy, but it, what you almost just want to go up and, and hug them and tell them it's gonna be okay. 
There was one woman that had just recently come into the jail and was going through detox and visibly was shaking. And uh, the woman next to her pleaded with us, please get her some help. They aren't helping her. They're not, uh, they're not taking it seriously. And so uh, Lou did go out and we got her some help. And I was surprised that they may not be getting all of the medical attention that they really need when they first come in. So please keep these women in, in prayer. The goal of our ministry is really to lift up Christ and to proclaim the, the good news that he's coming soon that he forgives our sins, and that he can help us triumph over our sinful nature. The doctrine of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not emphasized, and if we can help them see that Jesus is their best friend, then and that Jesus can help them stay out of jail, this is our goal. So we give them some resources if they need it, and, our, and we encourage them to link up with any church in the community. Thank you so much. I'm going to share some of the same texts that were repeated earlier. <clears throat> in Matthew 25, it says, When the Son of Man is going to come in all his glory and all his holy angels with him, it says he's going to sit on his throne of glory. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. And he's going to gather all the nations before him. And he's going to separate them just like a shepherd's going to separate the sheep. He's going to put the goats on the left-hand side and the sheep on the right-hand side, he says. And then he's going to say to those on the left-hand side, you're doomed for eternal death. You're going into that fire, the same fire that's prepared for the devil and his angels. And the ones on the right-hand side are going to inherit eternal life. But the ones on the left-hand side said, Lord, what, what, what did we do that we deserve this? And, and through Matthew, it says what Trish said earlier, I was hungry, and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't give me a place to stay. I was naked, and you didn't give me anything to wear. I was sick and you didn't tend to my needs. I was in prison and you didn't come to see me. So those are the words of the Lord. <clears throat> and we do this at prison ministry not to gain salvation because there's a need that has to be met. And that need is there are crying souls who are in prison, who made some bad decisions. They're <clears throat> by the grace of God, go I or you any one of us. And so this was presented here at the Orange Church. <clears throat> and Lou Burgos was involved in another prison ministry and we were establishing something here and he invited many members to join. I thought about it. <clears throat> I go, you know, I don't need to be in that environment. Um, that's not for me. And the other thing, too, is uh, as I get a little older, it seems like I've developed claustrophobia. I don't, I don't like to be in a confined area. As some of you have been out to Hoover Dam, you go all the way to the bottom, you go through the dam, you're about 20 stories down. I've been there 10 times. 
The last time I got freaked out. <clears throat> I got down the bottom and I started to hyperventilate. I said, I gotta get out of here. And so that was my thought of going to jail. I said, I don't need to be confined in some, some kind of area like that. So I asked Lou about the logistics and what was involved and, and how to get involved and, and, and what was my uh, participation gonna be. He says that we're gonna go there to prison ministries. He says, we meet in a small room. <clears throat> he says, there might be four, maybe seven people that will show up. He said, but don't be disappointed if only one will show up. He says, we're still gonna conduct our service. And so we had to go through a background check and we filled out information, we got approval. Then we had to go get a photo ID, we got the photo ID. And Lou was doing the coordinating with the sheriff's department over there. And there were certain time slots that had to be available for us to go. And the two of them opened up and one was for Sabbath from two to three. And so that's what was taken. <clears throat> and so Lou developed two teams and uh, they would alternate. And so when my first time, I was explained what was gonna take place and you know, in your mind you have a conception of what's gonna happen, but until you actually go through it, it's a little different. So when I went over there, you go into the first room and you walk up to a little box and you push it and the sheriff talks to you in the other room. You tell them you're there for prison ministries. They buzz it and open the door. You go down two hallways. You go through another steel door. You go into a little compartment where there's like little mailboxes. And as was mentioned earlier, you take everything out, your keys, your cell phone, fingernail clippers, any metal objects. You put it in that little mailbox, you take the key and you take it with you. They don't want you to take anything in there that doesn't belong in there. A metal door opens and you go into this little cage, about nine foot square. And you're looking around and there's a glass panel. It's like a control room, three sides are glass. And all the sheriffs are in there. They have monitors, computers. There's a little stainless steel shelf, little slot like you see maybe at a bank. You take your ID, you slip it through there. Before that takes place, so this door slams. And I mean, it slams. And you're in this little cage, it's smaller than this platform, maybe from here to there. Four of you standing there, you pass your ID through. They check you out, put your ID in the little shelf, give you a visitor's pass, they pass it back through. We get all our information. Then they open the door on the other end and we walk through, and that clanged shut. I've gone through three or four doors now. You know, anxiety level, and your heart starts to pump a little bit, and you go, whew, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and you go up this long flight of stairs. I don't know how many stairs are there. 40? Quite a bit, huh, Lou? You go all the way up to the second floor, Another guard station up there. Guards are looking down at you as you're coming up and then they have a panoramic view of everything around there on the second floor. We go through this area, it looks like ladies are folding some laundry, putting their uniforms on these shelves and they have slippers and everything. 
we walk by and we go to this little room on the end. <clears throat> a glass wall, a door with a glass in it. It looks like a computer room. There's some computers on the wall. But there's five tables with six chairs at each table. And so I'm in there. And we have a brief prayer <clears throat> asking Lord to bless us and that uh, we will uh, bring honor and glory to his name. And we're there, we're waiting, and I look <clears throat> probably about from here to the front door of the church, and I see a guard standing out there, and there's a wall, and all of a sudden these ladies start coming around the corner, and I'm counting two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. I'm thinking, that's more than seven. And I see 15, 20, and then finally they all come marching towards us and they come in the room and there wasn't a seat left. There was over 30. And so here we are. And again, it's probably about a five-phase program that we present. We have a little welcome and a prayer. We sing a couple of songs, try to put everybody's mind at ease. And then we open it up for personal testimonies. <clears throat> and uh, the ladies share. And we ask them to share both good and bad. Good things that happened to them last week as well as maybe what's heavy on their hearts. And then also after the sharing, we have a scripture reading, a small sermonette that lasts approximately 15 minutes. And then we have closing prayer and tell the ladies thank you for coming and that so we'll be there next week. Well, we never really see the same ladies from week to week. I think all the times I've been there, I've seen about three of them more than once. <laughs> and so what happens is when we have the testimony time, the ladies uh, open up. And I was quite surprised. As Carolyn mentioned, uh, I think ladies are more responsive than men. And uh, Many of them say, hey, they have a court date coming up next week and they're going to be probably let out and they hope that the judge makes a favorable ruling in their favor and that they will be able to get out. Most of them are like that. But this one young girl, <clears throat> sit, she was sitting there and she says, I want to pray for my boyfriend who's on drugs, that he will get off drugs. And before we got too far, I asked the whole group, which was approximately 30, how many are in here for drugs? And I'll bet you 29 of them raise their hand. They're either using or selling, but their family is just saturated with drugs. That seems to be the epidemic. And so she said, also pray for me. <clears throat> I'm on drugs. And I hope to uh, reunite here with my boyfriend soon. He's in Theo Lacey. I'm over here. I said, okay, we'll pray for you. Every request that's made, we write it down. We, we document their name and what their request is. But also, she said she was pregnant. And we said, well, we'll pray for you and your baby and hope that everything turns out well. And again, many people were pay, praying for what would be best for them. And there were a couple ladies who were in the room. One lady, the last one that came in, sat all the way over there by the door, on the corner, middle-aged lady, crying, 
putting her hands up to her face, wiping the tears. And uh, Lou asked her, is there something you know that you want to share with us? And she goes, well, I'm in here for spousal abuse. She says, I had a violent encounter with my husband. There was nothing physical, a lot of hollering. Neighbors called the police. It was volatile. And I got arrested and I'm put in jail now because of that. <clears throat> and the reason being is I did this in front of my children. And I said, wow. I said, well, how many children do you have? And how many did she say, Lou? Eight. eight. She had eight children. I go, eight children? She said, yeah. And she looked like she was about 40 years old. And she was crying. <clears throat> and said that she was hoping to get out. She had a, a hearing before the judge and she was told that she would get a year in jail. Her husband was trying to get her out, trying to post bail. It wasn't working out. Her kids needed her. This is just one encounter and your heart gets heavy when you hear some things like that. Another young lady who'd been out had a boyfriend, and her boyfriend was on drugs. But there was a court order that was issued where she wasn't supposed to have any contact with him. And while she was out, they shared, a, I think, a locker somewhere where they had a storage unit, and they would put their things in it. She had one, he had one. And what she did is she wrote him a letter, and she gave it to the manager of the unit that he would give it to him next time he showed up. In the meantime, she was arrested for drugs. She was in jail now. And she had a hearing coming up the following uh, Monday and hoping that it would turn out good. She wanted to be placed in some sort of rehabilitation facility where she would have outside treatment and not be confined. And so uh, she didn't want to jeopardize this chance of her having this facility available to her because she made contact supposedly through this letter with her boyfriend and she was perplexed. You can see she was moving in her seat back and forth and she kind of got up a little bit. And what, can we, what can I do? How can I do this? What should I do? Should I report it? Should I tell my probation officer? Is this gonna affect me? And the first thing we said is said, you know, we're not here to give any legal advice. That's not our mission. Our mission was to get them to Jesus Christ. And uh, he was the greatest lawyer of all. He hasn't lost a case. And so <clears throat> she didn't want to hear that. You know, she kind of looked at us a little stern and, and she goes, well, who are you people anyhow? And we said, well, we're members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in the city of Orange. And she, kind of perked up. My brother goes to the Anaheim Seventh-day Adventist Church. I go, really? Her whole demeanor changed, you know? She wasn't this kind of the same person. And again, we didn't give her maybe the advice that she wanted or what she was looking for, but again, she uh, accepted what we said and uh, she appreciated us for being there and we said we wished her the best on her coming hearing. And I haven't seen her. I don't know if she's still there. Hopefully things worked out for her. 
Another lady, she was sitting in the back again, all the way to the left. A little lady, frail, young, maybe mid-40s, crying. Testimony time. She raised her hand, wanted to say something. And we waited, and we waited. We waited. And I think Lou said, maybe we'll move on to somebody else right now. And she goes, no, no, I want to say something. And so she did. She says, pray for my two children. <clears throat> pray for my 24-year-old and pray for my 13-year-old. We said, okay. Why do you want us to pray for your two children? She says, because they're not on drugs. They were drug-free. But... Unfortunately, she had three children who were on drugs, and she wanted to pray for them as well. So, I mean, this was a sad case. This lady's been around the block a few times. She's already spent like three or four years in federal penitentiary, talked about that time. Her life was in a downward spiral. She was going nowhere. We were trying to give her a little hope. We said we'd pray for all of her family. In the foyer in the back, we have every one of the prayer requests, <clears throat> to my knowledge, posted. And we ask that you all pray for these individuals. Maybe pick out a name, one or two, and pray for those individuals because they need help. And again, <clears throat> we do this not for salvation because we're trying to fill a need. And we thank you for your support. And we ask that if there are others that might want to join us, it would be nice if we could create another team. We would have three, four people teams go into prison, and it would make the load that much lighter for all of us. And it's a worthwhile ministry. And we ask that, again, before you leave, maybe pick out a name and pray for that individual. There are some hurting souls. And these women, they're very sincere. Again, we only hear one half the story. We only know what they tell us. But Carolyn says that they are hurting hearts, and we need to direct them towards Jesus Christ. And that's what we're trying to do. There is no greater pain in life than a mother being separated from her children. The prison ministry is not about us. It's what we can do for Christ and bringing relief, as Charlie mentioned, to these souls that are going through such hardship right now. But I have enjoyed seeing Charlie, Carolyn, Kathy, Teresa, Carlos, and my boy, Bob, go through a process. I, I see the change in them as I see in myself. As you do things for Christ, you cannot change. And as we change, we change the life of those individuals. Charlie mentioned that we need another team. If you feel compelled, if you have claustrophobia, you got nerves that rattle you, you just 
think I can't do this. Let me tell you, Christ says, with Christ, I can do what? All things. And that allows us to separate and let go of self and do the work of the Lord. We want another team. I need three ladies and I need two men. If you feel compelled that you want to help and you want to do it, talk to me or talk to any other members. And I cannot help, and I'm going to share it just very brief because I know it's a time frame. The transformation that I see on the team, Caroline talking to the women, and she crying along with every one of them because we feel the touch of the hurt. Kathy leading out, quite, Kathy's very quiet, but you can't help but be vocal and come out preaching the word of God. And the thing that we've done is that every one of the team members is allowed and has to perform a sermon. So it doesn't matter. You see, when people are hurting, it doesn't matter what you say because the Lord is going to guide you and the words that come through are going to be very trusting for you. So if there's someone that you feel, I want to do this, I want to help, talk to me or talk to any other members. At this time, we're going to take an offering and we're going to bless the offering. And I ask you, be generous. If there's a time to be generous, it's time now. Like Bob says, the Bibles are going faster than when we can supply them. Amen? Amen. Help us out. Be generous with your gift. Because you're, we're going to be helping these young ladies to make the right choices in their life. So at this time, I'd like the deacons to come forth, please. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father. There are so many things in life, dear God, that bring us joy and happiness. There are so many things in life that just are overwhelming in times. And we ask you, dear Lord, that you will look at and seek my brothers and sisters here. That we might be generous with our offering, Lord. So that we can bring the word, your Bible, to every one of those ladies in there. Help us to give them an opportunity to know Christ. Help them, Lord, to make changes in their lives. And I ask also that you will guide the team that we have put together, Lord. That you will continue to stir their hearts as I ask for myself. That we will do your will and not ours, Lord. Bless this offering, Lord. And bless the generosity of those that give. For we ask these things in your name. I was asked to... Uh sing a particular song today. Um, since I don't have a group with me, I figure I'm gonna ask you guys to kind of jump in here with me as we continue. The song is actually pretty easy. It's got about eight lines to it. The lyrics are, show me your ways that I may walk with you. Show me your ways I put my trust in you. The cry of my heart is to love you more, to live with the touch of your hand, stronger each day, show me the way. I'm gonna go ahead and start, just jump in whenever you guys feel like you're ready.
because I'll go ahead and sing it through the first time. You guys just jump in when the spirit moves. Show me your way that I may walk with you. Show me your way. I put my trust in you. The cry of my heart is to love you live with the touch of your hand stronger each day show me your way one more time come through with me show me your ways that I may walk with my trust in you I put my trust in you the cry of my heart the cry of my heart is to love you more to live with the touch to live with the touch of your hand stronger stronger each day show me your way Show me your ways. A couple more times through. Show me your ways that I may walk, that I may walk with you. Show me your ways. Show me your ways. I put my trust. I put my trust. In you, the cry of my heart, the cry of my heart is to love you more, to live with the touch, live with the touch of your hand, stronger, stronger each day, yeah, show me your ways, one more time. My trust in you I put my trust in you the cry of my heart the cry of my heart is to love you more to live with the touch of your hand stronger stronger each day show me back to the cry of my heart the cry of my heart is to love you more to live with the touch of your hand stronger each day stronger each day show me your way one more time stronger each day 
longer each day. Show me your way. One more time. Stronger each day. Stronger each day. Show me and your passion for the unsaved. Thank you for the support our church family has given us, and we ask that you impress on their minds and their hearts to pray for us and those in the jails every Sabbath at 2 o'clock. Please be with us this afternoon as we go out to the jail again and help us once again to receive the blessings for all concerned for a good, successful visit and to glorify your name once again. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.